Good evening. The name of the message tonight is False Teachers and Enticing Words. False Teachers and Enticing Words. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Our text will be found in verse 4, but I'd like to read the context starting in verse 1, and we'll read to verse 5. False teachers and enticing words. For I would that ye know, that ye knew, what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit joying and beholding your order in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So let us do a quick overview of last week's text, which is found in verse 3. And we saw how Paul, in sharp contrast to the false teachers, who had said that they had some kind of special knowledge to impart, and that only they could give it to certain people, to people who would listen to them or people who would be taught by them. They only had this wisdom which they can impart. Paul tells the Colossian believers, and us too, let us remember, we're we're reading this 1,900 years later, plus. And this is for us too. Paul tells the Colossian believers and us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that all spiritual wisdom and knowledge is in Christ. It's nowhere else. And it's for all believers, not just the select few. It's for all the believers in Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul has pointed the Colossian believers to Christ. And here before us tonight is a text in which Paul warns the believers at Colossus, and we who are reading this here tonight, not to be deceived by those who bring false teachings into the church, who use enticing words. And we'll look at what that, what that means in the Greek. Enticing words. And the word beguile. What that, the word beguile means to deceive. So, deceiving and enticing words. And Paul has again pointed the Colossian believers to Christ. All through chapter 1, we saw that, didn't we? He pointed them right to Christ. So what he did was the same thing he did in 1 Corinthians. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and you note how many times Paul mentions Christ, he lays a foundation. He lays a foundation. He did the same in Colossians chapter 1. He laid the, the foundation of the supremacy of Christ in him alone. Before he dealt with the error before he dealt with the heir. So he presented Christ as the preeminent one, the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who has all power, the one who created all things. Remember, we saw all that. 
And then we saw how the mystery of the gospel is revealed to God's saints, manifested to God's saints. And we see in this verse from last week that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are only found in Him. It's nowhere else. Nowhere else. So He's contrasting again. He's contrasting the truth of who Christ is and what the believer has in Him with the false teaching of the Gnostics. We have to keep that in mind too. And not just the Gnostics, but even those who were bringing in Judaizing kind of things where you had to keep traditions and do certain things. So he's battling, we saw, we looked at last week, three different errors, right? And how he's battling these three different, by proclaiming the supremacy of Christ. By putting him forth. Now think of this, the unity of the church is at risk when false teachers arise within our midst. And Paul is here putting the believers on guard. He's putting the believers on guard against departing from the truth. Against departing from the truth. Against departing from the, from the faith. And again, he has bought out the fullness the believer has in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at the fullness in verse 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You can't get any fuller than all. All. They're all in Christ. So Paul again is setting forth Christ before the Colossian believers and again before us as we study this book tonight. And as we continue our journey through this book. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, he's the one who teaches us of Christ. He's the one who reveals Christ to us. He must illuminate the Scriptures or it's just words. But he, he takes the preaching of the Gospel, he takes the reading of the Word, and he teaches us. And who does he teach us? Who does he point us to? Christ. Christ all the time. So Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is showing us that the full doctrine of who Christ is and what He has done for His people and that it is only in Him that we are complete. It is only in Him that we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is showing us the only safeguard against error. And what is that? Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. That is the only safeguard against error, preaching Christ and Him alone, plus nothing else. Proclaiming that salvation is of the Lord, and not of anything that we do. And notice Paul, in the next verse, look at verse, uh, let's look at 4 first again, and I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Here we have Paul telling the believers not to be deceived by false preachers with false doctrine, but to stand firm as soldiers. Stand firm. Don't, don't let anyone beguile you. Don't let anyone deceive you. Stand firm. As soldiers locked in a line with their shields locked together. Stand firm. Contend for the faith of the gospel. And don't be deceived by false teachers who come with, with enticing words, which, which means persuasive. Persuasive words. Look at how, how Paul continues through this chapter to, to show the, the Colossian believers that Christ is sufficient for everything in their life. Look at verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, 
yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying, beholding your order and your steadfastness of your faith in Christ. They're to rest in Christ alone, nowhere else. And look at verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk ye in him. We are to walk in Christ alone. Not in our flesh. We're to walk in Christ. And look at verse 7. Rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So we're, Christ is the only foundation for the believer. Who are we rooted and grounded in? Christ. Nowhere else. Only in Him. And in the faith which is in Christ, which only the, the faith that God grants has one object. It's not our works, is it? It's Christ. It's only Christ. It has one object. Now, I mentioned earlier that the only safeguard against error is the true gospel, which is only found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. There, there's no other safeguard than preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Error is easily coined into the likeness of truth. And only a thorough knowledge of the truth, the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, being grounded in the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, only this will enable us to detect error. To be able to go, that's wrong. What that man said, he's lying. And think of this. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truth of Christ through the preaching of his word. And through the preaching of the gospel, right? And we don't want anything else. <laughs> That's all we desire. Just tell me about Christ. Tell me about what my Savior's done for me. Tell me about Him. Don't tell me what I've got to do because my works can't save me. Tell me, what, tell me what my Savior's done. Tell me what He's done. And what does Satan endeavor to do? He endeavors to sow the seed of error wherever the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is preached. Now, folks think he's out in the gin joints and all that, right? In the, 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 the places and whatever, the bars or whatever. No. No. He stirs up, he stirs up error. He stirs up people against one another. His chief weapon is this. Now, now note this. His chief weapon is to entice men to depart in any way from a full trust and confidence in Christ to make you trust in something you do. To make, to make men to depart in any way from a full trust and confidence in Christ alone and to lean even just just. Partially on the flesh. Just a pinprick. Do you see how vital it is that we preach Christ and Him crucified? That we praise, preach that salvation is only in Christ and not in anything we do, but in what He's done for us? It's vital. And we see, we see, as you read through the Pauline epistles, mark this too, remember this, as you read through the Pauline epistles, remember that almost every epistle he wrote, 
He's battling works-based religion. Brother Norm Wells brought that out to me. He's battling works-based religion. Titus, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. He's constantly, constantly bringing Christ to the forefront, bringing what Christ has done to the forefront. Turn, if you would, over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We will see here in Galatians chapter 3 that Paul uses five rhetorical questions. Five rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is a statement disguised as a question. It's a statement disguised as a question. And he uses these, these five rhetorical questions in battling works versus grace in teaching Amongst believers, the Galatian believers who are being enticed by false teachers. Look at this. Watch how he uses. What a master in, in, of, of language. But we know he's not the author of this. The Holy Spirit is the one who had him pen this. Look at this. Oh foolish Galatians, verse 1. Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently or hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Okay. Genuine faith believes the truth when it's proclaimed. Who Christ is, what Christ has done, why Christ suffered, and where Christ is now was faithfully preached to the Galatians and to the Colossians and to us, right? And to we who believe. And he's saying that it wasn't as if you hadn't heard the gospel because the Galatians had heard it, hadn't they? And look at how he puts it in the... that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. It's not a question of whether he was set forth. He was. He's saying Christ has been set forth among you. And they had heard. And they had claimed to believe. And now they were going back to the works of the law. They had been enticed by the words of the false teachers. And Paul brings... What does Paul do right away? Brings Christ to the forefront. Right away. Brings Christ right to the forefront. Christ had been evidently set forth before the Galatians just as Epaphras had done for the Colossian believers. Now let me read you Colossians 1, 7, and 8. Remember Epaphras? We, we did a study on him one night. As you have also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Colossians 1, 7, and 8. So the same gospel Paul had preached and preaches was evidently set forth before the Colossians as well. They, they had heard the gospel. They, they had heard it. So look at, here Paul continues in Galatians, contrasting the truth, the false teaching, with another rhetorical question. Look at this, in verse 2. This only, what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Now notice, notice how he's made a statement. How do we receive the Spirit? By the hearing of faith. By the, by the Holy Spirit regenerating us. So again, he's made a statement within the question. Genuine faith receives the Holy Spirit. Paul asked the Galatians, did the Spirit, 
that the Spirit of God as, as the Spirit of rege- regeneration, of wisdom and of understanding, of adoption and the earnest of future glory come to you through your obedience to the law? Or did it come to you when you heard the good news of Christ in the Gospel and received the Gospel by faith? Well, again, the answer is the question by the hearing of faith. Right? Salvation is not by anything we have done. It is the work of God. God, the Holy Spirit, regenerates us and we hear the Gospel. It's not by the, it's not by the law. It's not by the works of the law. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Look at verse 3 again. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Beloved, genuine faith relies upon the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 3.3, right here. Relies upon the Holy Spirit of God for what? For growth and maturity. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit teaching us under the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul contrasts here. Is it it possible that you can think that that having been chosen by Christ in grace, you're kept in, in Christ by your works? No, it's impossible, isn't it? That having begun your Christian life depending on the Spirit and the grace of God, you must finish it dependent upon your own works and flesh? No way. We depend upon the Holy Spirit to keep us. Paul gives us the statement with the answer. Within the question to spiritual growth, which is by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Galatians 3.3 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? No, we can't be made perfect by our flesh. And then the fourth question, look in Galatians 3.4 Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Another rhetorical question. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, which is what Paul is bringing out in this verse. During the times of Galatian and Colossian letters, There was great persecution amongst the church. But if salvation is not in Christ alone, then this suffering is in vain. As anyone trusting in their own works for heaven will perish in their sins. Look at verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So Paul hits right here the heart of the matter. Here in this verse, which which can be applied to the false teachers over in Colossus as well. And the saints over in Colossus as well as the Galatians in our text here. Did our faith come by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did it come by things that we did? By a decision we made? By an aisle we walked? By a prayer we prayed? Or did it come by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God? By the Holy Spirit of God. (laughs) Again, the answer is in the question as we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we see the importance of preaching Christ and Him alone. And then look at Galatians 3.6 and then we'll go back to our text. Do you see what I'm trying to show you is that Paul is, is, he's combating these errors with Scriptures. With Scriptures. 
even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Here we see the sum and substance of the preaching of the gospel. Justified by faith alone. As the apostle here puts before us Abraham, who was justified before God, not by circumcision, but by faith. He believed God. And Abraham is saved the same way we are, by faith in Jehovah the Word. The Lord our righteousness, in Him alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our text in Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. So do you see how Paul battled works-based religion? By continuously setting forth that salvation is all of God. It's all of the Lord. It's not by our doing. It's all by... And you'll see this. If you, as I say, if you read through the Pauline epistles, you'll see this. He constantly does this. Back to our text. And, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So the statement in this I say ties in with the preceding verse as it goes with all that Paul has spoken of in this chapter and the ending of of chapter 1, but let's read it with verse 3 so we can get a context again. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So again, Paul points the, the Colossian brethren to Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why? Lest any man should beguile them. Lest any man should deceive them with enticing words, with persuasive speech, with persuasive language. Lest they should be seduced by the false teachers in thinking that salvation is anywhere but in Christ. Paul here speaks with deep concern to the Colossian believers, lest anyone should mislead them or draw them away from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's only in Christ. How? with beguiling speech, with enticing words, deceptive, adding and mixing works with grace. Adding and mixing works with grace. Oh. Again, I said earlier that Satan endeavors to sow the seed of error wherever the gospel of Christ is preached, and his chief weapon is to entice men to depart in any way from a full trust and confidence in Christ alone. To have you depart from just reposing in Christ. To lean even partially on the flesh. Just a little bit. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And then put your finger in Philippians chapter 3 as well. Romans chapter 11. Though. How do we combat error? Beloved with Scripture. Measure Scripture with Scripture. What does the Word of God say? What does it say? Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works... What does that mean? It means what it says. It means what it says. If we're saved by grace, then it is no more works. 
That's what the Holy Spirit had the Apostle pen. Otherwise, why? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If it's works, then it's not grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So the Apostle Paul strongly defends the gospel of salvation in Christ alone, lest the Colossian believers get carried away by the false teachers with their enticing and beguiling words. And how? How? What is the one way to stop error from creeping into the church? By the preaching of the free and sovereign grace of God in Christ plus nothing. Look at Philippians chapter 3. This is marvelous. And when this is done, the saints of God will reject false teaching which seeks to add to the finished work of Christ. Any, anything. I don't care how orthodox a person is. If you're adding a pinprick of works to grace, it's not grace. We saw that in Romans. It's no longer grace. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Verses 8-11. to 11. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. Now there was a time when Paul believed he was blameless before the law. But here, here Paul, a born-again believer, says, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the imputed righteousness of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So how do we combat error? By the preaching of the Gospel. Let's continue in our text. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Lest any man should beguile you. The word beguile means to deceive. To deceive in the Greek. Earlier I said it's one of Satan's chief weapons is to entice men to depart in any way from a full trust in Christ. To trust in their own works, in in, in their own flesh. To lean even partially on the flesh. And beloved, this is the heart of every false religion. Leaning on the flesh. Leaning on something we done. But praise be to God, our salvation is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon Christ depended upon the finished work of Christ. And false religion always adds something to the finished work of Christ. Always. Always. Do you know that the banks have the tellers study real money in order to know the counterfeit? I had heard that and I asked one of the tellers in here if that was true and she said, absolutely. They study real money in order to know the counterfeit. We study the real gospel. 
in order to know the counterfeit. We preach and proclaim salvation in Christ alone in order for us to be able to identify error. And Paul, think of this, Paul's been setting forth the true gospel before the Colossian believers. He's been setting forth who Christ really is. And now he's setting forth the true gospel. And in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In contrast to the counterfeit that the false teachers had been promoting. This is the only thing that will help us to identify error. The Word of God. And preaching what it says. Not what we think it says. But what it says. What the Bible says. Do you know that the Scriptures speak of another Jesus? And another Gospel? Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 speaks of false teachers preaching another Jesus and another spirit and another gospel, which is not the gospel of grace. And I'll read Galatians chapter 1 to set this up. Galatians chapter 1, Paul is battling works-based religion, right? He's, ba- he's battling uh, the, 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 those who have come in and said, you've got you've to be circumcised to be saved. You've got to do this, you've got to do that to be saved. And Paul says this, in Galatians 1, if you want to mark the scriptures down, Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7, where he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Then he says this, which is not another. It's not the gospel. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 1. Would to God you would bear with me a little while in my folly. Indeed, bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, and I represent you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest any man, uh, lest by any means the serpent, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Look at this. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, the Jesus where you've got to add your works, whom we have not preached, or, or you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel. And any time man adds works to the, the free grace of, uh, of God in Christ, it's another gospel. It's not the gospel. It's another gospel which ye have not accepted. Ye might well bear with him. So Paul was troubled because he knew that the false apostles were preaching. The false apostles and the false teachers were preaching another spirit and another gospel. There's, there's folks out in this world who claim to be apostles. They're liars. They're liars. They're false apostles. And we can say that with confidence. There are no apostles today. There's men who claim to be, but they're just liars. They preach another gospel. They have another spirit. And they mix works and grace. 
or law and faith. And Paul was greatly concerned lest the people hear these men and be persuaded by them to turn from the simplicity of Christ. We saw that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. That they be, lest they be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. And we see that this is not just a concern in one church and the Holy Spirit of God has had these words penned for our learning as well. We must trust and rest in salvation in Christ plus nothing. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And then put your finger in John 5 as well. I'm sorry. Ephesians 4 and John 5. Ephesians 4, though, verse 4 to 6. There is one body. There's only one. It's comprised of all the elect of all the ages. The universal body of Christ. There's only one body. All God's elect. And one Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. There's only one Lord. Jesus Christ. The one who saves his people from their sins. Plus nothing. Nothing from us. One faith. There's only one object. There's only one object of our faith, right? One faith that's given to us by God, the Holy Spirit. One baptism. One God and Father of all. We all who believe have the same Father. We who believe. Who is above all and through all and in you all. But look at John 5.43 and look what our Master says. How prone is the flesh of natural man to listen to the wrong voice and reject the true messenger. Look at John 5.43. I am come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive Doesn't this make you thankful? As I was looking at that. Doesn't it make you thankful that God didn't leave us where we were listening to another messenger? Oh my. Oh my. Let's go back to our text in Colossians chapter 2, verse 4, and we'll look at the last part, which is this. With enticing words. And I'll read the text again. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now the false teachers used enticing words. Enticing words, which in the Greek means persuasive speech or persuasive language. Now no matter how convincing the man's words are, we should always search this book right here to find out if they're true. No matter who it is saying it. Don't just believe it because I say it. Read the Word of God. I love how you turn to each page and how you look. Search the Scriptures, we're told, aren't we? Be Bereans. We're told to be Bereans. Search the Word of God. False teachers were using persuasive arguments and persuasive speech in Colossus to promote their lies. And those lies can always be combated by the Word of God. Always. 
And there's no difference today as those false teachers still do. False teachers of today still do the same things that the false teachers did in Colossus and Galatia and all over. They add works to grace. And so we can combat it by the Word of God. We can test all things by this precious Word. One comes before us and says, you must be baptized to be saved. We say, away with this. Salvation is of the Lord. One comes before us saying, you have to keep certain traditions along with Christ to be saved. And we say, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. One comes before us and says, you have to worship on Saturday, which is the true Sabbath. And we say away with this false doctrine, because Christ is our Sabbath. He's our rest. He's our repose. One comes before us and says, you must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to be saved. And we say, away with this false teaching as every believer is regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God and has the Holy Spirit dwelling within him from the moment he regenerates us. One comes before us and says, you must keep the law of God and trust in Christ to be saved. say away with this. Away with this because Christ has fulfilled the law and justice of God in my place. And we are justified by faith and we do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law then Christ is dead in vain. And one comes before us and says salvation is by grace alone but you must do certain works to prove yourself saved. And we say away with these lies. We know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if it be of works, it is no more grace. It is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So this book, the Holy Bible, will keep error out of the church. The preaching of the gospel will keep error out of the church. And let us remember that false prophets, false preachers have gone out into the world. And they will encompass land and sea to try to sway people. They will do whatever they can to sway people to their sinful, false religious beliefs. And men will go to hell perishing, trusting in what they're saying. But the preaching of the gospel will guard against these false men, will guard against these false teachers. This is why we must stay with what the Word of God says. Now, many warnings are given to us from the Word of God telling us to beware of false teachers. And this verse tonight is one of them. It sounds out one of these warnings. 
And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So let us remember, beloved of God, that once God's truths have purged our conscience from dead works to serve the living God, the living and true God, the truth will enable us to spot that which is false. That which is false. If you know the real, you can spot the counterfeit. You can spot the counterfeit. Once the true gospel of God's sovereign, electing, redeeming, sanctifying grace has been revealed to one of his lost sheep, they will not tolerate any preaching but the true gospel of God's mercy towards sinners in and through the perfect, redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. I don't want to hear nothing else. Is it so with you? That's right. Just teach me Christ. Preach Christ to me. Tell me what my Savior's done. And I've told you many times, and I'll, I'll probably say it again and again and again, that we have one message here. To preach Christ and Him alone. To preach Christ crucified. And it is my desire to keep Him before the saints here in Elma. Let us close with this. One more sermon. One more sermon. If I had one more sermon to preach before I died, I would want it to be about my Lord Jesus Christ. The only regret I ever have is that I do not preach more of Him. I never think I have preached Him too much. I love to tell sinners that God was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. I love to tell you that Christ came to this earth as a substitute for His people. I love to tell you that His holy life is accounted your righteousness. That his sufferings and death constitute a complete atonement. A full atonement. There's nothing left to be done. Satisfying the wrath of God for all your sins. I never miss the opportunity to declare substitution and satisfaction. This is the heart of the gospel. The sinner in Christ's place and Christ in the sinner's place. Our debts to God paid by Christ. Our sins imputed to Christ and His pure, spotless righteousness imputed to us. The chastisement of our peace laid upon Him. Why? That we might be justified by faith. This is the truth that we proclaim. And we say, praise His mighty name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your precious Gospel. Thank You for the truth that salvation is in Christ alone plus nothing. 
that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to your mercy that you saved us. The free mercy and sovereign grace in Christ alone. Oh, let us leave your praise in your name. We who believe, let us leave your praise in your name and give you thanks that you saved us from all our sins. We pray you use this message for your glory. And if you're pleased to draw lost sheep to you, we'd be quick to give you all the glory and honor and praise. But use it for whatever, whatever you will, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.